Hello. Well, it's bright and sunny, but a bit breezy outside. Um, you can almost get a hint of spring on its way today, but um, we're a bit of a way away from spring yet. But yeah, January has been... Well, there's been a bit of a lull, as usual. There's all, all that post-Christmas lull, isn't there, where people have sort of, like, spent up and they're thinking about what they're going to do this year, whether it be a holiday or finding a new job or something like that. So it, it generally is a bit quiet this time of year. Still a bit of work coming in, still print sales going out, and uh, so I can't complain. And there's been a bit of work done on the website, so we will start off with a bit of housekeeping with the website. First of all, PDF books. That's the one that I've been working on most recently, and this is all about making the photography books on that page more accessible. I've wanted to add a viewer for some time, but not found anything that sort of worked the way that I wanted it to. Well, anyway, I've managed to find the plugin that does a, a really good job of displaying the book. So you can go along to the page and you can currently have a look at Sand, Sky, Sea and Street from 2011 that I did for the Solo Photo Book Month project. And uh, you can have a look through the complete PDF book without downloading it or, you know, if your browser doesn't uh, support PDFs, then this will show you the you can flick through the book and have a read of the book and i think you can even download it from uh, from the menu now this is sort of the first stage that i want to do for this page the next stage is going to be hopefully using another plugin which will give me a bookshelf so that all of the pdf books will be on this bookshelf you click on the pdf book that you want to read and it will come off the shelf and you can be able to have a look and it'll be fantastic because it means that all of the books will be accessible but it also means that if i want to do some pdf books in future then um i've got somewhere where i can add them and they're accessible on the website and yeah it, it will be a great asset for asset for the website so that's what i'm going to do i think um i need to check out the the plugin just to see whether it's exactly what i i want and how it works i'm gonna to have to pay for it but you know it isn't that much but i think it will just bring a bit more ease of access to that area of the website i mean our, the pdf books are an important part of uh the last decade i mean i mean, I was mentioning important things from the decade uh and this is really where it's it, it well it actually started off in 2009 but i sort of like reached the pinnacle of producing them by 2011 when sand sky sea and street came out uh because yeah everything just gelled together and i think because i'd done a couple of books before the previous uh, projects it I just got used to doing them I think uh, it's just a shame that the project um, ceased uh, that year because I think uh, it would have been a really really good project to carry on with um, each year I'm not saying that I probably wouldn't have done it every year um, but it was an interesting challenge. The challenge was, by the way, if you're not familiar with the Solo Photo Book Month 
project as was, was that you had to do a PDF photography book with 35 or more images in just 31 days. It sounds a lot easier than it is. Um, especially if things started going wrong. Um, I always found that picking a strong subject and keeping the book as simple as possible was the key to delivering it on time but sometimes you know you were talking a couple of days to go before uh taking the images actually was the quickest bit it was sticking the book together which sometimes could be the problem but if i can make that page more accessible for the other books that would be great and it'd be even better if i produce some you know just the occasional pdf book to uh have a flick through i think that would be a lot of fun for uh, viewers to the website so we'll have to see how the uh, pdf photo books page goes any more news i will let you know about that section the other area that got a bit of a makeover was the portfolio overview section this is um area of the site that i thought needed uh, uh it needed to be more overviewy um all of the galleries on the website are listed there but I needed to just stick in a bit more information about what else was available in the galleries section. It's included the extended and featured galleries. So some of the galleries like the Speedway Meet and the Territorial Army one have been extended from the original. I went through the negatives and thought, oh, that's a good shot. Why didn't I pick that? Um, just went through and sort of did a bit of re-editing there. Uh, so there were some new ones added to, to that and the, the speedway meet and then of course there's also the featured photography galleries which at the moment is sea sky sand and street and the norfolk project uh which is great but i would like to add another one which i think probably might be the territorial army maybe i'll have to have a think about that it's just giving a bit more detail and just discussing the project the, the really the featured galleries um yeah they're the galleries of photography projects that i think are really important to me uh maybe from a technical point of view i i improved or they were introducing something new or they were just really strong photography and i just wanted to talk about them more uh see sky sand and street of course because of the book and the Norfolk project because it was really the project that got me back on my feet as a photographer after being burnt out from studying it at university. Uh, and they're, you know, absolutely huge projects, both of them. And they needed talking about in detail, I thought, which is the reason why I did those uh, did those featured gallery pages where I discussed them in, in some detail. And occasionally I go back and sort of like go through and maybe add a bit more or take something out uh, text-wise. But uh, yeah, I think talking about your photography is important. It's great shooting these images, but giving a bit of background about them is always handy. The photo books and photo scenes section does purchase a print as well where some of the, the, the prints where they're available and where they can be bought out, which is always nice uh, when a print gets prints get sold um blogs and social media that just sort of like gives you know where extra images can be found it's sort of like just an overview of if anybody's interested in my work and what i've done 
so it looks a lot better. There's also an image in the top left hand corner, just sort of like give an overview of some of the pictures that are are in there. So that was that's quite uh, pleasing. And the other thing really is just um search engine optimizations as usual, just trying to improve things for Google ranking and various different areas of the website are performing incredibly well and a few you know, maybe could uh do better. So it was just trying to improve that. And uh, yeah, it's really it's just about getting a few sections sorted out. Two areas that I would like to have a, a bash out this year is the profile section and getting that sorted out. Really getting the text that I actually like describing me, which isn't easy. And then the other one is a podcast section. And I really would like to add a player to that so that people could click on an archive of uh, podcasts and just play them on the page. I've had a look at players before and they've never really done what I, exactly what I wanted you know, not without a lot of work. And um, so I'll have another look there and see whether there's anything that actually meets the criteria that will enable me to do that. Because at the moment, if you click on the link, it will take you away from the website and to where I'm hosting the podcast. So you still get to listen to them, but uh, I prefer something that is uh, a bit more user-friendly, really. Um, something you can really it's just copying the idea from the PDF section making this stuff accessible to everybody rather than uh, having to click away from the site so that is it really for the for the work done on the website this month there's still plenty to, to go on I mean the other area that is going to get some work in February is going to be the Isla Gallery which is coming together I really do, do need to think about Scotland and how the galleries work on the website for that. There's just such a huge amount of work on there that I'm going to have to think of some way of displaying it better. Uh, it may involve sort of limiting the work that I put onto the website and just having some images that are exclusive to a book release rather than show everything on the website. Uh, but I am going to have to have a serious think about what's going on there before making any decisions but it, uh, the sheer amount of images uh and galleries and things i mean I, I suppose it doesn't really matter people can just click where they want to go if they want to see images of isla uh they might not be interested in seeing images of edinburgh so maybe i'm just overthinking it but anyway that's for future updates and things but yeah the website is looking great really impressed with uh how how it's come on so we'll start on the links because i want to try and keep this podcast under 20 minutes if i can and the first one that i'm going to mention is from the magnum website it's in the camps eric hartman's work documenting the crumbling artifacts and remnants of europe's concentration camps this work dates from the mid-1990s, uh, but Magnum decided to add a nice little uh, addition to the website to mark the 70, 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau and Holocaust Memorial Day. 
So they reproduced an unedited version of Hartman's essay from his 1995 book In the Camps. These images really do bring through to me the reason why I'd be a bit reluctant to actually take a camera with me if I was visiting any of these sites. Because to a certain extent, I think Eric Hartman's images sort of capture the horror and the history of the place uh, in a way that I think, you know, why do it again if these images have already been made? I think if you're going along to a place like Auschwitz, you can't treat it like a regular... I mean, it's not a tourist destination. I've seen some horrible pictures on social media where people have gone along with selfie sticks and they sort of like treat it like a visit to Disneyland. And it isn't like Disneyland. Um, you know, it's it's a lot more sombre than that. It's deadly serious. It's not about you taking a selfie with your selfie stick to stick on uh, Facebook or Instagram or something to say, hey, look at me, I visited here. Uh, because it's not about you. It's about the place. And I think really that's what it comes down to. It's about photographers working out whether they've got anything to say with images that they shoot at a place like that. And sometimes it's just a case of it's better that you just don't pick the camera up or maybe even don't take the camera. Um, I think if I actually went there, I might not concentrate on uh, the place itself, but rather the people visiting there and just see the sort of like different ways that people react. Uh, and they're probably not all good ways either. Like I say, getting your selfie stick out to uh, document, look at me, I'm in a death camp. That's you know, not a good look, is it? Uh, and of course, this person got some damning comments on their Instagram feed for the for the images because they totally underestimated um, the reaction to the way that their photograph looked. Um, there's a way to behave. There's a way to take images. It's about it's as much about thought processes, photography, and how and respect as well for subject and it doesn't matter whether you're taking a portrait or whether you're photographing um you know for the 75th anniversary of uh, d-day or something like that you know the you need to have a good sort of like grounding to your photography to do the subject justice and sadly, that's not always the case. Some photographers go along there and it's all about them. It's not about the subject matter. And that's, you see more and more of that online where it's, oh, look at me, I'm here. Almost as though they have to prove it, which is a bit sad. But yeah, it's a very, very sobering article. Very, very sobering images. And, uh, well... I don't think I could do any better images going along to uh, a place like that. I, I just think that I just think that uh, Hartman has just did a fantastic job then, and also the fact that a lot of the artifacts and things have been changed over for for replicas and things. Does that change the place? I don't know. 
That's, I suppose that's inevitable as these places get older, but um, I don't know whether that makes it makes it the same. Um, the whole point of going along somewhere is, is actually seeing the place for yourself, not a replica. Um, but probably, I mean, these places are getting a lot older. They were never meant to be there that long. These artefacts were never meant to to stay there that long, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. It really is. But anyway, in the camps, Eric Hartman's work documenting the crumbling artefacts and remnants of Europe's concentration camps. Well worth a look, but very very sobering reading and viewing. The next one is from the BBC News website, the music photographer trusted by the stars. This is all about photographer Jim Marshall, who died in 2010, and he left behind more than a million pictures that captured the true face of music in the 1960s and 70s. This is a fantastic collection of images. Um, very prolific. Uh, photographed everybody from Hendrix to Johnny Cash. Um, and basically... He sort of defined an era, really, the music and what was happening. And there's a new film called Show Me the Picture, the story of Jim Marshall, which captures the stories behind the images and the man himself. And his pictures were on more than 500 album covers. So, again, it's just an amazing photographer, some amazing images. I'm sure there's a few images that probably people will remember. There's a very very uh famous one of johnny cash flipping the bird at san quentin prison as it's called in 1969 a lot of people it was actually it was staged it wasn't actually johnny cash being really rude it was it was a supposedly a very nice man but i think he was just sort of like having a mess around with the photographer and i think he knew jim marshall very well from from what i remember of uh, the story behind that picture the other one that i quite like is janice joplin on a psychedelic porsche i mean the porsche is just yeah the ultimate 60s porsche i would say um absolutely remarkable vehicle um there's of course keith riches and mick jagger recording exile on main street in 72 that's a really nice picture of them both uh, and a couple of pictures of the various different festivals from the late 60s, early 70s. So some great f documentary photos of the music scene and the performers. And uh, there's even a young Dennis Hopper crop up in one of the pictures. Fantastic set of images. There's um, also a book coming out, which I'll just... Flick down to the bottom of the page. It's called Jim Marshall, Show Me the Picture, and it's published by Chronicle Books. And Show Me the Picture, the story of Jim Marshall, directed by Alfred George Bailey, is released across the UK from the 31st of January. And an exhibition of his work can be seen in the Royal Albert Hall this month. So if you want to go along there, it's uh, in February. You can go along and see all of these images on the wall, which is fabulous. Uh, it's just a shame that it's all the way down in London for me, but uh, never mind, that's the way that things go. So the next one is another one of those sobering ones. This is Thomas Dvorak's coverage of the first Chechen War 25 years on. Um, I mean, these are just amazing images. This was taken by 
Well, the story of Thomas Dvorak was he was 19 years old when he first showed up in Chechnya. It was June 1993, well before the first Chechnya war started. And he told his father that he was coming home to Bavaria in a couple of months. And actually, he remained working in the area for another 20 years. So, you know, he obviously felt at home there. But he ended up documenting the first Chechnyan uh, War of Independence, where they were fighting uh, Russian troops. And it was a it was an incredibly messy war. Uh, I mean, it was sort of a civil war in a way. Um, deep and civil wars are always incredibly messy, but uh, the Russian eventually Russia decided that they were just going to go all out, and later on, you know, they really started pouring troops in there and. Uh, the end of the former war came in 1997 where the Russians conceded defeat. Um, but in 1999, the Russian army returned, this time not making the mistake of sending untrained uh, conscripts to the area. Um, they basically sent in the professionals. And, uh, yeah, it's a remarkable body of work. I sort of have a bit of a mixed relationship I suppose you could say it's complicated as I would say on uh, when it comes to relationships descriptions on Facebook you know where people can put you know it's complicated and it's a bit complicated with me with war photography I kind of see it as a cycle in a way um, you tend to end up especially if you studied photography for a long time you see the same images cropping up but they can be like decades apart so you know um, the images, you know, that came out of World War Two, you know, massacres of Russian civilians or something like that, you know, you will see later on, and there's the same pictures of, uh, but just many, many years later, but they're, you know, Chechen or, or Russian soldiers that have been massacred. Um, I don't know. I just over the years, I just wonder whether it makes that much difference seeing these images. These events need documenting. That is definitely true. But a lot of people really, especially nowadays, are probably more interested in what celebrities are doing than what war is going on in some part of the world that they probably have never heard of. It's a bit of a damning indictment. And I'm probably doing modern... Um, photojournalism have been a bit a disservice but I don't know whether I don't know whether it's it's reaching where it should get to one of the things that always surprised me when I was at uh, university and uh, art college was was the a lot of my lecturers did not like Don McCullen and the reason why they didn't like Don McCullen was at the time Don McCullen was sort of going through a retrospective phase where he was showing a lot of his work in galleries and everything. And the argument was, was uh, why is this work of, you know, shot in war zones, you know, in Biafra and places like that, of people starving, etc., etc., Vietnam, uh, Lebanon. Why is the images from these wars being shown in 
a gallery, my argument was, was where else would you would you show them? Um, I don't really have a point because by that point they were they were historical documents anyway. Um, in some cases, you know, the war had been twenty, thirty years ago at that point. But yeah, I always thought it was rather judgmental to sort of like turn around. You know, why is a war photographer showing those those images uh, in that environment? And well, where else would you show them? Um, why not? Why shouldn't people see these images? Um, and a lot of the time, there were beautiful photographs. I always thought there was a bit of snobbery about it. Really, well, it's like a photojournalist. Why should he show his work? Uh, well, he won't be the first photojournalist to show his work in a gallery, and he won't be the last. So, plenty have done it since. So, yeah, some great work by Thomas Dvorak. I just don't know where it's, you know, whether these images sort of have the impact to try and stop these things that they uh, that they should. I mean, these images should stop wars, you know, totally. Sadly, they don't. But have a look through the images. It's very interesting reading. The images are absolutely fantastic. But like I say, I just have a bit of a uh, difficult relationship with war photography these days. Um, didn't when I was younger. I just sort of I thought it was. It made a lot of. It you know it had some impact, and I'm just wondering now whether it has as much impact as we actually give it credit for. So the final set of images, something um, on a lighter tone. Um, this is, well, the Dakar rally took place uh, in January. It took place in Saudi Arabia for the first time. Uh, and the driver, Carlos Sainz, won it in his uh, mini buggy, um, which is nothing like a Mini Cooper from the 60s. Um, you know, literally is an amazing... Uh, amazing vehicle but uh this bit on the the magnum is Ra raymond depardon's uh paris dakar rally and this is where raymond went back and photographed the events 1990 staging um yeah and he kind of like you know, <laughs> Yeah, he, he he documents it in a in a slightly different sort of like style to what I would say a sports photographer covering the event would do. Um, it's it's more about the place rather than the actual race itself. Um, it in in many respects, it's it's about the landscape. A lot of the images are about the landscape and the effect that the landscape has on, you know, the the riders and uh, I mean most of the images that are shown on here feature desert landscapes that classic thing of the person against the environment and uh, all of the images are in black and white and rallying is a very very colourful sport I've covered a couple of rallies in my uh, in my past and they are you know they really are suited to colour photography there's a lot of reds and various different colours from the deliveries on the on the cars. But all of these images are in black and white. You know, it's absolutely fantastic the way that he's, he's sort of like filtered out a lot of 
the sports element to a certain extent and just covered it as almost as a photo story in itself, as an event rather than from the sport. Who's winning? doesn't really matter to uh, Raymond, I don't think. I think he just sees it as this is where they're at and this is what's sort of like taking place. So it's a nice, refreshing view on the Dakar rally. I mean, there's still plenty of images, you know, that uh, get across that usual um, story of the car driving across the the desert with the helicopter flying by. I mean, there's even, there's even a shot of that. But I think it, it generally sort of like covers the event with a more broader paintbrush, really, which is quite nice. Um, I'd like to actually see more done like this for sport rather than just focusing in on sort of like who's won, who's come second, who's come third, but the event as, as a whole, um, which is what I tried to do when I was doing the, the rally, rallying stuff many, many years ago. Uh, it was more about the event rather than who was in the lead uh, because they are like travelling circuses um, on the road. You know, they, they move through places and set up shop set up their little tent and then uh, all of a sudden the next minute you know they're sort of gone and they're, they're on to the next destination but yeah Raymond's work is really really great so have a look at that and it's a bit more light-hearted than a couple of the other things so that is it for this month's podcast I will be back in um, February with another one and uh, well Thanks for listening and I will see you all next month.